Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Thursday, March 4th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what we're covering today. The Biden administration's plan to fight domestic terrorism. Plus, how professional working parents are finally getting help from their employers. But first, decoding diplomacy with Iran is today's one big thing. The Biden administration has been making overtures to Iran as part of a way to negotiate a path back to the 2015 nuclear deal the Trump administration pulled out of. But the diplomatic dance the two countries have entered seems to be moving in circles. Barack Ravid is the author of Axios' Tel Aviv newsletter and is reporting on this diplomacy. Barack, what overtures has the U.S. made to Iran since President Biden has taken office? Well, not too many overtures, actually. What the Biden administration did was to give the Iranians a very symbolic sanction relief. The first step was that the Biden administration said that it's removing the sanctions of access and movement of Iranian diplomats in the Iranian mission to the UN. Iranian diplomats, I think, couldn't get out of Manhattan or even inside Manhattan, they were limited in their movements. Another thing the administration did is that it withdrew the U.S. request that was given by the Trump administration to the U.N. Security Council to snap back all U.N. sanctions on Iran. And it was really a more, uh, let's say, a symbolic message to the Iranians. Look, we're taking the first step towards going back into the deal. Meanwhile, how are you seeing the U.S. and Iran engaging in proxy diplomacy through actions that are being taken with allies? Well, if we thought that the diplomatic efforts are stuck, then on the ground in the Middle East, in Iraq, in Syria, in the Gulf, tensions are just getting higher and higher. Less than a week ago, the U.S., went on a military strike, I think the first military strike by the Biden administration in the Middle East against uh, Shia militias that are backed by Iran two days or even a day after this uh, U.S. military strike. An Israeli-owned ship was attacked in the Gulf. Israel says that Iran was behind this attack and that this was a sort of a signal, not only to Israel, but also to the U.S., a signal about the negotiations that the U.S. wants to start with Iran. Barack, if we were to think about U.S. foreign policy like a puzzle, and I do feel like you've been decoding some of this for us, like unraveling a little bit of it, where do we place Iran in all of this when it comes to U.S. foreign policy? Well, let's start with what are the foreign policy priorities of this administration? If you take Iran... This is maybe the only foreign policy issue that has to do with the Middle East that is a very high priority for this administration because it wants to get as soon as possible back to some sort of an agreement with Iran. But I think they discovered that it is much, much more difficult and complicated and that the four years of Trump created a situation where the Iranians might not even want to go back to the deal. Barack Ravid is an Axios contributor. Thanks, Barack. Thanks, Nyla. In 15 seconds, how the U.S. is planning to fight against domestic terror movements.
Welcome back to Axios Today. This week, FBI Director Christopher Wray announced the Bureau was looking into 2,000 cases of domestic terrorism. We learned that during hearings about what went wrong during the Capitol insurrection on January 6th. And now, amid threats of violence at the Capitol today, the House of Representatives has canceled its Thursday session. The Senate is still meeting. How is the Biden administration approaching all of this? Axios political editor Glenn Johnson has been looking into that strategy for us. Glenn, I wonder if we could start with these warnings from the FBI in the U.S. Capitol about the threat level being raised today. As I said, the House is already not in session, but how are they preparing differently this morning? Well, first of all, they're already prepared in a much different way than they were on January 6th. The Capitol is surrounded by an eight-foot fence that's topped with razor wire. There's 5,000 National Guard troops still in the city. There's a huge perimeter created by that fence and those troops that didn't exist on January 6th. So it's not that they're doing things differently for today. It's that they've been doing things differently since January 6th. Within weeks of the January 6th attack, I think within two weeks, White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki was talking about an entirely new direction for the government when it comes to domestic terrorism. And she said at the time that this was just a first step. Do we know how many steps have been taken since then? The whole posture has changed. I mean, the president talked about this on January 22nd, two days after he was inaugurated. And they had the director of national intelligence, Avril Haines, take charge of a review that would be conducted by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. They also elevated it as an issue for the National Security Council, And all of that is driven at trying to ensure that this problem doesn't rear its head on officials who are unsuspecting. And experts had warned that this was particularly dangerous in the national security sphere, not just from threats uh, facing the country from overseas, but also homegrown threats arising in the form of domestic terrorism. And so the administration has really worked actively to try and get its own footing about where things stand. And that's what all these reviews are pointing towards. Axios Politics Editor Glenn Johnson. More than one million parents have left the workforce because of childcare responsibilities during the pandemic. This massive number has been a wake-up call for some employers about the type of benefits they're providing for their workers who are also parents. Erica Pandy has been reporting on this. She's a business reporter for Axios, and you may also know her as occasional guest host of this podcast. Erica, what kind of benefits are you finding now are really important for working parents during the pandemic? So, Nyla, it's really simple. Companies try to get really creative and say, we'll have an on-site daycare or we'll, you know, do a fun Zoom for your kids. But what parents really need is flexibility and cold, hard cash. So the ones that are at the forefront of this are saying you can adjust your hours, you can even go to a four-day work week temporarily, or they're saying we're going to up our actual monetary contribution for child care into your paycheck. How many more employers are actually doing this? The data is very clear. Care.com, which is a care provider, did a survey, and 98% of the HR departments they surveyed across the country are adding benefits. So it's really ubiquitous. So Erica, 98% is an amazing number, but do you think that there are industries where this is not possible? Right. I mean, it's 98% 
of a group that excludes a ton of Americans, right? So we're talking right now about if you're an essential worker and if you have to show up to be a grocery clerk at 8 a.m., you can't adjust that and you can't do that from home and you can't do that while you, you know, watch your kids. So if you're doing some of these frontline pandemic jobs, this flexibility doesn't apply to you. And those sectors haven't really figured out solutions for their working parents. And that's a huge issue. Erica Pandy writes the At Work newsletter for Axios. That's it for us today. We always love to hear from you about how we're doing. So you can send us an email, podcasts at axios.com, or reach out to me directly on Twitter. My handle is Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.